Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So, Jonathan Dowdall claims he was set up by those behind the Regency Hotel attack. His cross-examination continued today in the trial of Jerry Hutch, the man known as the monk who's accused of murdering David Byrne at the hotel in February 2016. Our TFM course correspondent Frank Greeny joins us now. Frank, before he was brought back into the courtroom, I understand one of the judges had a word of warning for those in the public gallery. What was it and Why? That's right. Um, quite a disturbing development was brought to the court's attention this morning. It seems someone had recorded proceedings from the overflow court and that recording has been circulated, we heard. Um, Ms Justice Tara Burns, who is one of the three judges presiding over this trial, addressed those in the overflow court and indeed in the main courtroom by saying that it was an offence to record proceedings. She said it was absolutely prohibited. She warned everyone that it shouldn't happen and she said that she wouldn't preside over a trial where any of that nature occurs. It's not clear what was recorded, how it was recorded or who recorded it, but those in the overflow, overflow course do have a live audio and video link. Uh, Garda is supposed to be there, stationed every day. Ms Justice Byrne said that that should continue throughout and she asked anyone who spots any such offence taking place in future to bring it straight to her attention and once she had given that very stark warning, Jonathan Dowd was brought back into the courtroom to continue his cross-examination. Frank Caressa, why would it be such a problem if it was recorded and distributed? Because it's prohibited. A recording of any type um, is prohibited in the courtroom, indeed in the environs of the building itself, and you can be held in contempt of court. And indeed, that was something that Ms Justice Burns said today, that whoever did that and whoever circulated that could possibly have committed a criminal offence. So it was a very stark warning. She said she wouldn't tolerate it going forward. OK, so where did Jerry Hutch's barrister pick up with his cross-examination of Jonathan Dowdall? Well, just like yesterday, uh, Brendan Gretton, who is defending Jerry Hutch, wanted to know why it took so long for Jonathan Dowdall to tell the guards about his client's alleged involvement in what happened at the Regency Hotel. And Jonathan Dowdall, in response, said that he was in fear of speaking to the wrong guard. He said that he wanted to wait until he knew it was safe to do so. And when asked what his objective was when he first reached out to the guards through his solicitor, we heard this happened in November of last year, he said it was to tell the truth. He said that he didn't say anything after he was arrested himself in connection with what happened at the Regency Hotel because, again, he said that he was in fear for his safety and that of his wife and children. He claimed that after he got bail on the murder charge, uh, Jerry Hutch, um, in prison, apparently demanded that he make himself available 24-7 to his solicitor. He claimed that Jerry Hutch gave him a number for his son um, before he took up bail, um, claimed that he told him to contact his son and Jonathan Dowdall said or alleged today that within a week people with motorbike helmets were being sent to his home letters were being put in his door with certain demands. He repeatedly said that he didn't have anything to do with the murder of David Byrne. He said part of him being charged with murder was because he didn't say anything at the time of his arrest but he said that he wasn't going to take the blame to keep others happy and that's when he claimed he was set up. So, do you explain more why, though, he thinks he was set up? 
He did. He Well, I, I suppose as we all know by now, Jonathan Dowdall again was initially charged with murder. That was dropped. He's serving a sentence for a lesser charge after he admitted to making a hotel room at the Regency Hotel available to those behind the attack that took place there. And at the request of Jerry's brother, Patsy, Jonathan Dowdall claims his wife booked the room over the phone, uh, that he drove his father, Patrick Dowdall, to the hotel to pay for it and to collect the key card. This was the night before the shooting. He claims the original plan was for, was for his father to give it to a man called Kevin Flatcap Murray, a known dissident Republican who has since passed away. We know he stayed in the room that night. We know he was one of the gunmen. That original plan didn't happen. Instead, Jonathan Dowdle said they dropped it off to Jerry Hutch on Richmond Road. Mr. Grehan described that yesterday as one of two big lies at the heart of his testimony. The other relates to his claim that Jerry confessed to him that he was one of the men who shot Mr. Byrne. And in relation to Jonathan Dowdle's claim of being uh, set up, he told the court today that he believes they wanted his father to give the key to Flatcap so that he and his family could be linked to him and to what happened. Flatcap made no attempt to disguise his identity as he moved around the hotel in the early stages of this trial. We were showing we were shown CCTV footage of him coming and going from the hotel and the hotel room that that key card was um, this key card that was supposedly given to Jerry Hutch um, gave him access to. Dowdall believes that that was done intentionally. He said you'd want to be deranged to book a room like that if you knew something like that was going to happen. It was too easily traced back to them. He said he had no idea what it was to be used for. He said that his father knew Flatcap and again he said they were belie- he believed that they were trying to connect him and his father to Flatcap for that reason. He said it was lucky that they didn't meet him to give him the key card that night. No, I believe he was also questioned about the dropping of the murder charge. What was asked of him and what did he say? He was extensively, and again, this was something that Mr. Grehan touched on in his cross-examination yesterday. He was asked about the meetings that took place with Gardaí ahead of that murder charge being dropped and ahead of him making his full statement back in September of this year. He was asked if he remembered being asked how he wanted it to end up. He wasn't sure whether he was asked that at the end of a second meeting or a third meeting, but in any event, Mr. Grehan asked if his goal was to have the murder charge dropped. He said it wasn't. He said he was of the opinion that if he told the guards the truth and explained certain things that the charge would be dropped. He insisted he didn't demand it be dropped before he gave his statement. And when it was put to him today that it was a quid pro quo deal or a bargain, he said it wasn't. Brendan Grehan pushed him further. He put it to him that he was, in effect, offering to give evidence if the murder charge was dropped. He asked Dowdall if that's what he was at, and Dowdall replied, I suppose it is. Now, you may remember that Mr. Grehan failed to stop Jonathan Dowdall from giving his evidence, and one of the arguments he raised last week was his belief that Dowdall only made a statement in exchange for having the charge dropped prosecution disagreed. They denied that was the case. They said it was all above board. So under cross-examination, Dowdall essentially refused to accept that it was a demand, refused to accept that his evidence was conditional on him getting that murder charge dropped. He insisted he just wanted to tell the truth, but he did accept uh, that he asked for it to be dropped. One final one, and this is an important one. Uh, What did he have to say about his Republican contacts, including uh, Pierce McCauley, who was mentioned by Bernie in the 505? Well, 
after lunch he was asked about his upbringing he was asked about his background and we all wondered where Brendan Grehan was going with this and I suspect Jonathan Dowdall did um, he was then asked about his Republican links uh, Dowdall said that he didn't know a lot of IRA people didn't really have any connections with the IRA he said he didn't have heavy Republican contacts as he put it himself but he suggests that Jerry Hutch knew more senior figures than he did he was asked if he knew Alan Ryan Alan Ryan was a former head of the real IRA. He was murdered in 2012. Jonathan Dowdall said he did know him, and he agrees that Alan and Alan's brother Vincent, who was murdered in 2016, were sent to his house on the Navan Road on one occasion. But when he was pushed on the purpose of that meeting, why they were sent there, he refused to say why. He said he couldn't speak about it. He said he was never a member of any dissident Republican group. He was asked if he knew IRA men. He said he did he was asked if he knew former IRA men. He said he did. And he was asked, as you say, if he knew Pierce McCauley. He said that he did, but he said he wasn't particularly good friends with him. Pierce McCauley is a former member of the Provisional IRA. In 1999, he was jailed for the manslaughter of Detective Garda Jerry McCabe. And in 2015, he was jailed for a vicious attack on his wife. He stabbed her 13 times. Mr. Grehan asked Jonathan Dowdall today in his cross-examination if he ever visited Pierce McCauley in prison. Dowdall said he did. He said two or three times. And Mr. Grehan then pulled out the visitor records for Castlery Prison, which revealed that Jonathan Dowdall had visited him 14 times on various dates in 2015 and in January of 2016. This was while Macaulay was serving that sentence for the attack on his wife. Mr. Grehan then accused Jonathan Dowdall of lying under oath about his friendship with Macaulay. Dowdall said this was opening another avenue of danger for him. We heard that his last visit, as I say, was in January 2016. He he said this was at a time when he was trying to help Patsy Hutch because he said there were threats on his life. He described Patsy as like a second father to him. He claimed Macaulay told him not to get involved, but he said that he did. And just before the court broke up for the day, he said he wasn't part of any Republican movement. He said he just helped people. He said he should have minded his own business and never got involved, but he accepted it was his fault. He said he trusted Patsy. And then he went on to say the following, and this is the quote, word for word. He said, I don't care if I'm killed. No one will touch my children. If down the road I'm required to come into this court to give evidence against Patsy, I will do that. It's nothing to do with getting a murder charge dropped. Thank you very much, Frank Rainey, our FM Courts correspondent. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4 30.